Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. Thanks for joining us on the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Marsha Anderson Bomar is the Assistant General Manager for Capital Program Delivery at MARTA, the primary mass transit system serving the Atlanta area. While we could probably easily fill a podcast or two talking about MARTA and Marsha's career, our focus today is going to be professional development. Marsha is the 2019 recipient of the Theodore M. Matson Memorial Award and is an international past president of ITE. Marsha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Bernie. I'm delighted to be with you today. Well, while we're going to be talking about professional development, I think it's always a good idea to kind of set the table and give the audience a little bit of an idea of who we're talking to. So if you don't mind, why don't you tell us a bit about your career before we get into the questions about professional development? So I always wanted to be an engineer, but back in the day when I started school, that wasn't very popular for girls. So I actually started out as a math major, but with my passion for civil engineering, um, I eventually was fortunate enough to complete my master's in civil engineering and launch my career. Uh, I started uh, as a consultant in the New York, New Jersey area, and then moved down to Georgia, uh, worked for a couple of firms locally, and then decided to launch into my own business, uh, Street Smarts. Uh, headed Street Smarts and, and grew that over a 20 plus year period of time. Uh, then I sold that to an international consultancy, worked there with them for about five years, um, had a great time uh, in particular starting their sustainability practice and working in some major transportation endeavors. And then after a shift, uh, was offered an opportunity to join the executive team here at MARTA. And it really is exactly what I was looking for at this point in my career, uh, really interested in taking kind of my accumulated experience and knowledge uh, from some 45 years of, of work and, and study experience, both to sew into the project and into the people around me. Talking about professional development, and I don't know if this is true for you, you talked about being a math major when you were in school before you really got into engineering a little bit later on. But a lot of people who do go into the transportation field, particularly the technical side of transportation, tend to gravitate toward areas that involve technical abilities, training, professional development, things of that sort. But there's also that need for soft skills, leadership, emotional intelligence, communication, things such as that. What advice would you give to those who are going into a technical field in terms of seeking out training on some of those types of soft skills? I think that's so critically important. I just had the opportunity to speak with the uh, Toastmasters group here at MARTA and shared with them that early in my career, I was terrified to speak in public. In fact, one of the very first times I did a public meeting, I was hyperventilating so badly that every three or four seconds, I had to pause and take a breath. And 
you know, I demonstrated for them kind of what that experience was like and then talked a little bit about the years of just practicing and seeking out opportunities and training and just anything I could do to learn techniques for how to do a better job, but then also take the time to practice, to volunteer, to do those uncomfortable things and speak in public. And now I feel pretty comfortable. Uh, I've traveled around the world and I've spoken uh, in many foreign countries. I speak all over the United States to groups, small and large. And so I think that we're all capable of learning. We just have to make a commitment to doing that. And I think learning many of those soft skills can really help a professional take their career where they want it to go and not be boxed in because they don't happen to have some of those skills. You talked about being terrified as a young professional in terms of public speaking, and you had to push yourself outside of your own comfort zone to find opportunities to be in front of an audience. Was that something that was available professionally for you? Were any of your early employers giving you training on that? Or was that something that you really had to seek out on your own? And I'm curious, how does it compare with today? You talked about the Toastmasters group that they have at Marta. So obviously that's a place where people can learn some of those soft skills. But is that generally true from your experience? Well, I don't want this to sound like you teed this up so I could give a plug. But uh, as you probably know, I've spent the most significant portion of my professional career being engaged with ITE. And quite frankly, that's where a lot of the opportunity came my way. You know, I had some employers who uh, were supportive, but, you know, in, in my early, I will say the first 10, 15 years of my career, there wasn't support system like we have now. There weren't a lot of short courses, their webinars didn't exist, the internet didn't really exist. So a lot of it was figuring out how to find ways and places to pick up some of the skills that I needed. And so very, very early on, as soon as I got into transportation, I joined ITE and became very active at the local section level. I was involved with the New York, New Jersey Mets section and really seized opportunities there. And then some at the national level, you know, I volunteered to serve on some national ITE committees, and it was really some of the people who came alongside me and really helped me to learn some of those skills and to practice uh, in, a, in what to me was a very safe environment. You know, you, I think that's one of the benefits of professional organizations like ITE. You know, at work, you may be a little bit nervous about stepping out because, you know, you might be concerned that if you don't do well, it's going to impact your job, your career path, et cetera. In a volunteer organization, you can take some risks that you can't take in that work environment. And I think it's a very, you know, professional organizations are very supportive. And so I felt like that was a place where I could really test my own abilities and grow them. And I do remember that we brought some of those kinds of opportunities, some of those learning opportunities to our section so that more people had the opportunity to practice. It wasn't just speaking, it was learning the importance of uh, your writing abilities. It was learning how to deal with the public because as you know, transportation is a very public facing profession. So there were a lot of different kinds of skills that I learned through that avenue. 
when it comes to a transportation career, and I'm sure this is true of other fields as well, a lot of the training happens on the job. But obviously, there are also opportunities for classroom learning. Perhaps those opportunities aren't as great in areas away from metropolitan areas or in smaller organizations. But what do you think is the right mix between on-the-job training versus classroom learning? And how do you get the most benefit out of a training course once you get back to the job and have to apply what you learned during that training course? That's a great question, Bernie. And it's interesting timing because I'm actually doing an analysis now of the training needs that my staff has. I have almost 200 people on staff uh, right now, and the staff will be growing in the near future. I'm trying to determine how best to deliver opportunities for the staff. And and it will certainly be a mixture of bringing some training courses here, things that a large number of people need to learn or experience. Some people will uh, have unique needs, and so they will be afforded some opportunities to go for some of that classroom training. I also take advantage of uh, webinars where I can do lunch and learns for the staff so they, they get other perspectives. I'm a lifelong learner, so I truly believe that you can't get enough. I'm still learning something every day. Um, as far as bringing it back to the workplace, you know, I think it's really important that there be a dialogue. So, for example, I have some staff members who are participating in a leadership program, and at each milestone, I have them come and do either a presentation just for me or if it's an appropriate subject matter, I may bring my leadership team together. I give them internal opportunities to practice their speaking skills, but also share some of what they're doing that is addressing other aspects of their professional development. So I think it's very important for leadership in an organization to create opportunities for their staff to not only take some kind of training or have an opportunity to serve where they get some real-world practice, but to also give the staff the opportunity internally to lead a discussion or to organize an event or a meeting. I think every one of those opportunities is a growth opportunity. When you talk about things like that that you were discussing there are mentoring programs that many organizations have. Sometimes they're formal, sometimes they are informal. People will find mentors that uh, maybe they don't even necessarily work with, but people that can give them advice and things of that sort. What role do you think mentoring plays in professional development? And in particular, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about the ITE Matson and Hammond mentoring program. I think mentoring is critical for everybody. Uh, in fact, if you go back to the ITE Journal in the 90s, I wrote a lot of presidential columns about that because it always has been very important to me and continues to be something I do, again, both on a formal and an informal basis and encourage others to do. I think there are really two kinds of mentoring uh, that need to happen. One happens within your organization. Uh, you need somebody who's a little more experienced, a little more knowledgeable to help you understand how to navigate within a particular organization and what deficiencies you may have that could be holding you back or what enhancement opportunities would make you more attractive for some future opportunities. But I also think it's very important to have 
outside mentorship. And certainly the program that we have at ITE is a great example. Sometimes you want to ask questions that you perhaps shouldn't or don't want to ask of somebody who with whom you work every day. There may be topics that are maybe more personal or maybe they are topics that relate to the people around you. You know, you may have a difficult relationship with somebody in your group and you really want to try to make it better, but you don't know how. But the people around you may not be the best source of an objective perspective to figure out a path forward. So that's just one of many examples of of why uh, mentoring outside of your own organization can be of great benefit. Sometimes it's just good to have a different perspective. In some of the mentoring programs in in which I've worked, uh, you know, we've matched public sector folks with private sector folks so that they can share and learn from each other. In some cases, we've had people from small companies partnered with people from big companies so that they could learn some of the differences in in those kinds of organizations. So I think there's any relationship like that, there is something to be learned, but there are different kinds of relationships that you can form under the umbrella of mentoring. I also think one of the things that is important, what I label sponsorship as opposed to mentorship, So mentoring is very much a conversation, a dialogue, generally between two uh, individuals. Sponsorship is when that person who probably is, is or has been your mentor is in a conversation where an opportunity is discussed and they speak on your behalf. So they know enough about you to have confidence saying, I think, you know, Jane is the right person for that position and she ought to receive some consideration. So I think everybody needs a variety of people in their lives and and mentors need to be part of your your personal and professional life cycle. For some people, it's on an ongoing basis. In other cases, it's from time to time, but there's always value. I'd like to go back in time for your early career. You talked about some of the things that you did earlier in your career, but I'm curious, did you have a mentor that was particularly influential for you as you were starting out? So let me start with the very first person who was was the best mentor, my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Klotz, who recognized in me my mathematical abilities, my technical, if you will, abilities, and took me aside and encouraged me to pursue that. You know, back in those days, girls were not generally encouraged that way, but she spoke into me and she said some very wise things. One of which was very funny. She told me that when I went to junior high school and I showed off how smart I was, you know, there were going to be some boys who wouldn't like me, but she said that was okay because they weren't worthwhile anyway. (laughs) Only the boys who liked smart girls were worthwhile. So uh, that kind of kick-started my my direction in my life. And then certainly early in my career, I had some great professors in college who were very encouraging. And then really when I launched into transportation, I would say the two people who really launched me, I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was active in the New York, New Jersey Met section of ITE, and Bernie Adler and Ivor Weisspart really took me under their wings and guided me and encouraged me, and, and I truly believe that my trajectory in terms of serving the organization and learning 
from the people around me and really a, a lifetime of being engaged in ITE started with those two relationships. You talked about how ITE played an influential role not only early in your career, but ongoing through your career as you continue to learn in terms of developing. But you've also been involved with a number of other organizations, among them the American Society of Civil Engineers, TRB, uh, Women's Transportation Seminar. What role did these other organizations play in terms of your own professional development? Excellent question, Bernie. So each organization has uh, a little bit different mission or a little bit different direction. So they do feed different parts of your professional growth. So TRB, of course, is very focused on research. But within the organization, there are many leadership opportunities. Once I figured out some of the subject matters that were of great interest to me, I had the chance to serve on some committees and then later on had the great opportunity to serve as a committee chair for eight years, took the committee from place where we struggled to pull in membership to a place where um, we had a friends list of 300 people, uh, had just a great group of folks to work with there and and to learn what makes a research entity engaging for the people who wanted to come and learn about that subject matter. Uh, Some of the other organizations provided just different framework. So WTS, when I joined, was a very new organization. I joined in the second year of its existence, and there were just a handful of us around the country who saw a need for women to be considered more seriously in the workplace. And that was really what the organization was about early on. It's grown and matured quite a bit in its mission, although that's still at the core, is helping women be identified and trained and mentored along a career path and uh, for success. But that also involves having men at the table so they're understanding the competencies of the women around them as well. ASCE, I was active early on in my career and then took a break because I chose to put in significantly more time at ITE and really didn't feel I could do both well. But I have circled back, and I'm actually on the board of ASCE right now. And although there are some similarities, uh, ASCE addresses a much broader array of subject matters in the civil engineering world. So it's been very interesting for me to uh, learn about things that are not what I do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I'm involved in the technical part of the society as one of my roles. And so I'm diving deeply into uh, issues around geotechnical engineering, around uh, structural engineering, around construction. But all of these are valuable to me as a person because I love to learn. But as a professional, now that I have pivoted my career, I am so much better prepared to do what I need to do in this job because I now have a broader understanding of more parts of civil engineering than I had when I was just so focused on on transportation. Hopefully, many of the people who are listening to this are familiar with the Leadership ITE program, and you certainly have played a, a leading role in developing that program. For those who might not be familiar with it, tell us a bit about what the program is and, and what do you see as the particular strengths of the Leadership ITE program? 
Oh, thank you for bringing that up. It is a phenomenal program, and it continues to grow and refine, you know, every time it's it's offered. Uh, we're actually in the process of updating the program for the next offering. Uh, applications will be available soon for the program. I think a couple of the parts of it that are particularly meaningful are the relationships that the participants form with each other as they go through the program and learn together. There's a lot of content delivered, uh, most of which is focused on the soft skills that you talked about earlier on, but they also have an opportunity to pick a project and work on the project. Uh, they break up into teams and work on a project that can be a technical project or it can be uh, more of a, a leadership type project. That's their choice uh, on the subject matter, but everything that they learn each time they meet in the program, those skills are directly applied into working on that project. So it's not just let me stand in front of you and present a PowerPoint, but let's put the principles into action right here, right now and practice them over and over again so they become second nature. I think that's a huge strength of the program. I think one of the other huge benefits of the program is that uh, the participants get to meet both ITE leaders, current and past leaders. They get to develop relationships which give them access to people who have experiences that may be useful for them to learn from and, and hear about. They also have the opportunity to meet with leaders from the industry. There are key moments where they have small group opportunities for that, and, and that's also very valuable as you're trying to decide how to navigate your career. So I, there, I, I could go on for a very long time because the, the program is so rich in content and execution, but it's it's a very robust program, and the array of activities and the variety of locations. Everything is chosen very carefully to give the participants the most value for the time and resources that they're investing in that experience. Bernie, one of the, the other points I'd like to make about Leadership ITE is that early on, we set a goal to have the program run by the alumni of the program. And I'm very happy to announce that two years ago, we reached a tipping point with having enough graduates of the program and the right graduates of the program, everybody who, who came through the program really took advantage of the opportunity and learned so many different skills because there are a lot of different needs in running a program as, as robust as Leadership ITE. And now the program is 100% led by the alumni. Those of us who are not alumni of the program serve in an advisory capacity, but all the work that's being done to promote the program, to address the curriculum, to address the logistics, the alumni activities, uh, the collaboration sites, all of that is being done by alum, and I think that speaks highly to the quality of the program and the commitment of the people who go through the program. Well, thanks so much, Marcia. Our guest 
on this edition of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast has been Marsha Anderson-Bomar, the Assistant General Manager for Capital Program Delivery at MARTA. Marsha, again, thank you so much for being our guest this month. Well, thank you very much, Bernie. I appreciate the opportunity.